welcome back to another episode of Sundays with Jeff Miller. Sure is great to be back. Took a, took a little bit of time off um, to step away and enjoy some more family time. But now it is time to get down to business. And we are in season two, episode number 28. And today we are going to talk a little bit about my personal top 10 wide receivers. I've put a list together came up with some information I'd like to share with you. Hopefully it helps you develop a draft strategy, which is also part of our show today. It's going to be called the It Factor. And earlier this week, I got a chance to listen to Stephen Furtick. Uh, I enjoy the Elevation Church and his podcast, and he actually talked about it. Now, he talked about it in a different way than I'm going to talk about it today, but I am going to help you develop the it factor. This is going to be the difference between you winning your fantasy football league and being at the bottom. So last year in my money league, which is what we call it, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I did not have the it factor. I lost three of my top four players really early in the season. Like week one, I lost two. Another week I lost another, but we're not going to cry over spilt milk. But what we're going to do this year is we're going to help you come up with the it factor and a draft strategy that suits your team. And some of the information that I'm going to hope to share with you is going to help you get your team over the top. First, we're going to start with injuries that you need to be watching. And in Philadelphia, Devontae Smith, the new rookie, wide receiver, is expected to be out two to three weeks with a sprained MCL. So what does that do for you? Uh, for me, currently, that moves him down to like a WR5. In the past, wide receivers, especially rookies, need that preseason playing time to get used to the level of play in the NFL. And it seems to factor in for them strongly. So with him missing two to three weeks of preseason, I'm going to knock him down a little bit. He's going to fall now more into my WR5, WR6 range uh, in my drafts. That's Devontae Smith. Now, Baltimore Ravens' Marquise Brown has injured his hamstring. This is going to affect his preseason. He ended last year pretty strong, was getting a little bit of hype early this year. His average draft position's up a little bit. Um, and then Rashad Bateman, he also is suffering from some muscle tightness, and he's going to be limited somewhat also in preseason. So what does this mean to the Ravens? We're not exactly sure, but for four, both of these guys who are personally not really high on my list currently because Baltimore just doesn't seem to throw the football enough for me, uh, it's going to move them down. We'll continue to monitor that situation. And then in New Orleans, you know, the news comes out. Michael Thomas is on the pup. Um, and what does that mean if he goes on the pup list? Well, it means he, he can't return until week seven. And so week seven is a long time to wait for a WR123 receiver. So Michael Thomas, out of the picture for me. I drafted him last year. One of my top three players was horrible. And so I'm not really looking to tell you to, to pick him up uh, in your draft. I guess for me, if you wanted to grab him in the 10th, 11th, or 12th round and he actually fell that far, maybe. Maybe it would be worth the hold. I'm not really sure. But more, more interesting to me is what effect does this have 
on the quarterback in New Orleans. You know, because mostly they've talked about Jameis Winston being the QB1, and maybe he'll be in QB2, but as preseason started in New Orleans, the QB1 was actually Hill, Taysom Hill. And personally, I think it's going to have a huge effect on the receiving core because New Orleans does not really have any depth at wide receiver anyway. So to me, this actually improves Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, and then they also signed Devontae Freeman. I think you're going to see more action out of the running back, and I actually think Hill is going to end up starting the season as QB1 there because I think the effect that losing Michael Thomas is going to have would be more detrimental to Winston than Hill. And I think Hill's going to end up starting at QB1. This is going to be more of a run-oriented offense. Um, the team's going to, they're going to fall down in their offensive scoring. That's the effect that I think it's going to have on New Orleans. Again, we'll follow that as we go through preseason and see some of the games and see how that affects uh, the New Orleans Saints. And then the Indianapolis Colts are just on a train wreck right now. Carson Wentz, uh, if he misses times, if he's put on the pup, and it looks like he could miss the first two weeks of the season, that means Eason would possibly start those two games. Uh, that that effect for Colts, what does that have? What what effect does it have if he misses the first two weeks? Well, Eason starting probably won't be horrible. But then we look that he's possibly out until October. Now what do you do if you're the Indianapolis Colts? Well, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, there's rumors out there that they're going to look at Nick Foles, possibly go after Mitch Trubisky. But the one, the one that I think they should be looking at is Marcus Mariota. I would be on the telephone with the Las Vegas Raiders right now, willing to give up a draft pick. As a matter of fact, there are many people out there in the, in the fantasy football world and experts alike who feel that Mariota would actually be the better starting quarterback over Wentz in Indianapolis. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the telephone line. I'm going to give Vegas a call, and I'm going to see if I can't make a trade for Marcus Mariota. And then, as far as I'm concerned, if he ends up in, in Indianapolis, you know, Taylor and Hilton and Pittman all become fantasy relevant again. Uh, the effect that, the, that this is going to have on the rest of the team for me is right now Taylor moves down the draft board a little bit as far as running backs I know you're seeing him in the top 10 6 7 8 I'm personally that's going to push him down to me in the 15 to 20 range even though I think he might run they might run the ball more I don't know how effective it will be and then the other part to that factor for me is that Quentin Nelson is also out with the same exact injury. He came up, you know, he came to camp, he had a boot on his right foot. He has the exact same injury as Wentz, and they're talking that he's going to be out 5 to 12 weeks. Now, we're talking about a three-time All-Pro guard. And then also, Ryan Kelly, the starting center, is out with an elbow injury. Now, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but this is something you need to know. This is going to help you develop your it factor when you're sitting there and you've got the 6th or 7th pick, or possibly you're coming back the other way, you got the 14th or 15th pick and Taylor sitting there, it may or may not influence whether or not you want to make that pick. But mark your words, I'm going to be on this for you. We're going to see what's going on. And then if things don't aren't actually worse for the Colts, 
Coach Frank Wright, the head coach, is out with COVID-19. So now he's not in camp, and he doesn't have uh, the ability to help make some of the decisions that are going to be necessary moving forward. So that, that's going to be a tough start to the season for the Colts. Other news around the NFL, if you hadn't heard it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got their Super Bowl ring. 319 diamonds on this Super Bowl ring. 319 diamonds. Now, the number 319 commemorates their Super Bowl win over KC. Final score, 31-9. to There were also 140 grams of gold on this ring. Now, the unique thing about this Super Bowl ring is that the top comes off. The top of the ring comes off, and you ask why. Well, it's to commemorate... They, they were the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. So it has a removable top that shows Raymond James Stadium underneath it, which is kind of cool. Now, just in case you're wondering who made this ring, I'm going to share that with you too. Most teams go to Jostens, who created 36 out of 54 Super Bowl rings, or Tiffany, who created 7 of 54 rings. The Bucks, they go to Jason of Beverly Hills to get this ring made. And yes, in case you're wondering, Tom Brady now has seven, count them, seven Super Bowl rings. Also going on around the fantasy football world that's going to be affected by some of the news in the NFL is the fact that the commissioner uh, and the NFL is looking to put teams on notice that they will have to forfeit their games if players missing or causing them to miss games and not be able to participate are unvaccinated. If they're vaccinated, they may not have to forfeit. But if they are unvaccinated, they will have to forfeit their game. How is this going to affect your draft strategy and the it factor for your team? That is a question that I have for you. Are you going to, in my opinion, be better prepared? So, you know, in a normal league, are you going to draft two quarterbacks? A lot of people only draft one, unless it's super flex, then they draft two and mostly three. What are you going to do? Are you going to draft two tight ends just in case? You know, you have a team or you have a tight end or you have a quarterback that aren't going to be able to play that week and then what about your defense and kickers I mean you only have so many roster spots are you going to put a priority on depth at the wide receiver tight end quarterback tight end positions or are you going to grab another kicker or defense so that you have a starter I know that last year we had a couple times where there were guys who didn't have a kicker to start because they only rostered one kicker all things that you need to start looking at and putting into place um, as we go down the road and take a look at the NFL. And also, last but not least, just in the news category, before we get to my personal top 10 wide receiver list, did you know that the Mannings, yes, Peyton and Eli, are going to be on ESPN2, and they are going to be doing 10 Monday night games. 10 Monday night games with Peyton and Eli, and there's also going to be a host on the show with them to get them through that. So I'll be right back in just a moment, and I am going to share my top 10 wide receivers with you and the reason behind those decisions.
Welcome back to Sundays with Jeff Miller, and we are going to head into the it factor. And this is session number one. This is going to help you start building some extra information. So if you hear something, write it down, jot it on your notes, keep track of it for your fantasy draft, because it might make the difference when you're getting ready to make that pick. We're going to get started today, and we're going to do my personal top 10. Now, what I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks, is I'm going to put a top 10 list together. I'm going to add, I'm going to do the next 10, the next 10. And then in the end, we're going to put together a top 100 list at least. And it may be 150. And we're going to meld all the positions together. And I'm going to help you put a draft strategy together that you can look at and view to get yourself set up for the it factor. And the it factor is you want to win your fantasy team. And how do we do that? Score more points. It's back. You're going to hear that a lot in the next few weeks. Let's get to it. Number 10, coming in at the number 10 position at wide receiver, according to Sundays with Jeff Miller, is DK Metcalf for the Hawks. That's right. Just to give you a little details as to how he is at number 10. Now, in the average draft position, he's been going a little higher. He's been in that 5 to 6 range. Um, but for me, he's number 10. He has 83 receptions last year. He was targeted 129 times. He has 10 TDs, 270.3 fantasy points, which is not necessarily number 10 in that category. But some of the things that I like to look at is how many times were they a WR1, WR2, WR3. Um, and for him, 25% of the time he put up wr one numbers, 50% number two, and then 68.8% number three. His yardage came in at 1303, which is a good number. That's a good number. Um, and then his high fantasy point output was 40.1. He had four games over 20, one game over 30, and one game over 40. And then he had four games under 10 points. But of those four games, Three were under five, and that's why I knocked DK Metcalf down to number 10, is because of that. He's he's only got those four games over 20, so he's inconsistent, in my opinion, to be um, your WR1. Now, he could be your WR1, you know, if you're picking 10th, 11th, or 12th, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, to me, he's not at the top of the list. He's not a guy that I'm going to build my fantasy team around, hopefully, if I'm picking later in a draft in a 10- or 12-team league. I'm going to look at another position uh, at, and the draft board, and we're going to look at that as we progress through our it factor classes and sessions we're going to be holding. Okay, number nine, A.J. Brown for the Tennessee Titans. Now, he had 70 receptions. Um, he had 106 targets, which is 7.6 targets per game. DK Metcalf was at 8.1, just so you know. He had 11 touchdowns, 245.5 fantasy points, and his yardage came in at 1,075. Uh, number 9, because he's at 35.7% WR1, 57.1 at WR2, and 71.4% at WR3. His high was 31.1. He came in rather well in the first two categories. Seven times he was over 20 points, 
one time over 30. And then he was only under 10 four times on the season. So you can see that he's similar to DK Metcalf, but the tiebreaker for me is those under five that DK had three of those. Um, A.J. Brown did not have that, and uh, he came in a little higher. So he also makes number five ranking in touchdowns, which is another factor. I think I rank them in receptions, targets, uh, touchdowns, and yardage. Those four factors I really consider, and I like to see him in the top five in one of those four categories. He was number five in touchdowns in the NFL at the wide receiver position last year. Now, just in front of him, Justin Jefferson comes in at number eight, and Justin Jefferson finishes number one or number three in yardage with 1,400. That was his, his big factor. Uh, Justin Jefferson had 88 receptions on 125 targets, which is 7.8 per game, seven touchdowns, 273.2 fantasy points. Now, his WR1 rating was 37.5, and his WR2 rating was 50%, and number three rating 62.5% of the time. So it's kind of interesting to compare the different positions that the receivers fall into. He was the lowest of the last of my eight, nine, and 10 in the number three position, but he also was the highest in the WR1 position, which means to me that there's some a little more upside there. His highest fantasy output was 39.6. He had five games over 20, two games over 30, none over 40. He was under 10.6 times, but I will tell you that the first two games of the season was two of those games, and after that, he's tended to do pretty good. As a matter of fact, six of the last eight games, he had 10-plus targets, and you, you know that you're going to hear me say targets are opportunities, and targets is a huge factor for me when I'm deciding between a person's ranking versus another person's ranking. So that, that part plays an important part. And another thing that stood out for me with Justin Jefferson, 15.9 yards per reception. And that is a very good number in the NFL. I believe that was number one, and that's why I actually included that in my notes. So he's number eight. Now at number seven, I think is a little bit of a surprise because he didn't line up as the number seven wide receiver last year. But when you take a look at history, I think this person is deserving of moving up and there are some other factors to evaluate. And this person is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson had two in my top four categories and that's receptions and targets. He was uh, number three in receptions with 102. He was number three in targets with 151. Um, he had six TDs, 262.9 fantasy points, and his yardage total was 1,250. His WR1 ranking was 31.3%, his number two, 43.8, and his number three, 688 so 68.8% of the time, he gets you a WR3 ranking or better, which I think is pretty good. I think that's a really good number. And 31.3% of the time, 
he is a WR1 ranking. So that, that's a, another number that I like to look at. His high was 28.3. He had six games over 20 points, none over 30 and none, none over 40. And so you're probably asking yourself, so why, Jeff? Why is he number seven? Well, he only had two games under 10 points. Two games. He had back-to-back seasons of 150-plus targets, which is a very high number. When you consider last year, the number one and two were Diggs and um, DeAndre Hopkins at 166 and 160. So that factor, the factor that he had 151 targets two years in a row, moved him up on my board. Also, his 150 targets came with a plethora of quarterbacks. So he's had Trubisky, he had Foles. Um, this year he's moving on and he's going to have Dalton and Fields. He may start out a little slow, but if, I, if I'm if i correct here and Fields becomes the number one quarterback, I don't look for that to change. I look for it to actually get better for Allen Robinson. So number seven, Allen Robinson, I think he's a good pick for you depending on where you're picking. And if you can get him in the first 10, maybe, maybe not, but more likely between 10 and 20, 10 and 24, uh, if you're picking in a 12-team league, um, might be might be a sneaky good pick for you, especially as a number two player on your roster. Now we're going to move along to number six, and my number six is Keenan Allen, another guy who doesn't get a whole lot of uh, positive. As a matter of fact, I've seen his average draft position as low as in the teens for a wide receiver, 15, 16. Um, but I moved him up. And the reason I moved him up, again, receptions and targets. He had 100 receptions last year, 147 targets, ranked number five in targets, number four in receptions, 10.5 targets per game. He had eight touchdowns, 242.1 fantasy points. I'm looking for somebody with high upside. WR1, 35.7% of the time. Number two, 57.1. And number three, 71.4% of the time. His high was 33.5. He had six games over 20 points. Only three games under 10. His yardage was low at 992, but his 10.5 targets Per game is second to only Devontae Adams. He is very, very dependable. He has only missed two games in the last four years. Herbert uh, is in his second year now, so that should help improve Keenan Allen and his average targets over the last four seasons. And this is why I have him at number six is 147. And they're saying that this year that offense will be way better than it was last year. Keenan Allen, number six, just misses the top five for me. I like him. I'm going to tell you that he is an it factor, and if you can grab this guy in the third or fourth round, you're going to have a really nice sneaky play uh, player for your fantasy football team. At number five, Calvin Ridley. He was number five in yardage at 1374. 90 receptions, 143 targets, 9 TDs, 280.5 fantasy points. Again, he was a WR1 33.3% of the time. He was a WR2 73.3 and top 3 80% of the time. 
high numbers for Calvin Ridley. His high was 33.9. He had five games over 20, two games over 30. His under 10, and this is what I really like this number, is two. Julio Jones was traded, and I believe that that could possibly help Kelvin Ridley even move higher than number five. That's why Kelvin Ridley setting at number five for Atlanta. And I don't know if you if you if you're struggling with that one. I don't know. I think he's got just high upside. He's been very talented receiver uh, the last couple years. At number four. I come in with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, three times he finishes in the top five. In receptions, he was tied for number two at 115. In targets, he had 160, which is number two. His TD production was a little low at six, but he's averaging 10 targets per game. His points were 284.8. Again, Another player who has high upside. 50% of the time he gave you WR1 numbers. 56.3 at number 2 and 62.5 at WR3. His yardage total was 1,407, which was number 2. He only had three games under 10 fantasy points. His high was 25.7. Can you believe that? He had eight games of 20 or more points. None over 30 and none under over 40 and that's why he slips to number four for me but receptions and targets are opportunity and that number of 1407 yardage also says to me huge upside possibilities for deandre hopkins with kyler murray at the quarterback position now my number three i really struggled with a little bit and it's only because he's He's right there on the fence, but I had, I decided finally to move him to number three. I was looking at him really hard at number two. Stefan Diggs, he comes in with three, three positions that he is number one at, and that's why I really considered him making him number two overall and maybe even number one. But I stuck with it at number three, but I think he's a great value at number three. Number one in receptions with 127. Number one in targets last year at 166, and number one in yardage at 1535. I can't figure out for the life of me how he did that playing under his first year with Josh Allen, other than the fact that he is a super talented wide receiver. 43.8% of the times he gave you WR1 numbers, 68.8% of the time. He was at a WR2 or better, and 87.5% of the time WR3 or better. Those are very high numbers for Stefan Diggs, Buffalo. I really like him. His high number of fantasy points was 41.5. He had seven games of plus 20, one plus 30, and one plus 40, which is excellent. And he had zero games under 10 fantasy points. Hello? That's an it factor. Write it down. Zero games under 10 fantasy points in his first season with Josh Allen as the quarterback at Buffalo. Can't go wrong with Stephon Diggs this year. Cannot go wrong with Stephon Diggs if he's on your roster. Number two, Tyreek Hill. 87 receptions, 135 targets, but he only had one 
number uh, top five ranking and it's TDs, which is a good one. He's number two at 15 touchdowns, 327.9 fantasy points. So if you see, Stefan Diggs actually finished ahead of him. But he had 327.9, 46.7% of the time WR1, 80% of the time WR2, 86.7% of the time WR3. So that tells me, again, very consistent numbers for Tyree Kill, and that's why he's exactly where he's at. He's also in the number one offense in the NFL. His high game, another reason why he was chosen in number two for me over Stefan, 57.9 fantasy points, which was number one, which was number one for wide receivers, 57.9, seven times over 20, two times over 30, one time or over 40, and he only had one game under 10 fantasy points. It was week six, and it was against the Buffalo Bills, and he scored 5.5 points, and his yardage total was 1276. So our top three is pretty solid right there. If you get any one of those three guys on your team, you're going to be lucky. Now, number one is... Devontae Adams. And the reason Devontae Adams gets number one ranking for me is because he had four top five finishes. He was number two in receptions at 115. He was number four in targets at 149. Number one in touchdowns with 18. And number four in yardage total at 1374. And that's how you become a number one receiver. I think Stefan Diggs could give him a run for his money. I think Tyreek Hill could give him a run for his money. It's a tough decision. Uh, Devontae Adams has had a little bit of an injury history. I think last year he missed two games, but he still finishes, you know, top four and four of the biggest categories. And how do we score more points? Opportunities, right? Receptions, those are tops. Yardage, I mean, touchdowns, he's definitely got. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' eye in the end zone. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. So his high, 44.6 points. He had eight games over 20 fantasy points, six games over 30 fantasy points, and three games over 40. The only guy to do that. The only guy to have more than one. So he had three games over 40 points. There you go. That's my number one wide receiver this year for fantasy football, the it factor, Devontae Adams. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Number three, Stefan Diggs. Number four, DeAndre Hopkins. Number five, Calvin Ridley. Number six, Keenan Allen. Number seven, Allen Robinson. Number eight, Justin Jefferson. Number nine, A.J. Brown. And number 10, D. K. Metcalf. Make sure you take note of those it factors that are appealing to you in coming up with a draft strategy for your fantasy team. Once again, I'll remind you that you can get a hold of me through my email, Sundayswithjeffmiller at gmail.com. That's S-O-N-D-A-Z-E with Jeff Miller at gmail.com. We have plenty more coming your way over the next few weeks. Hopefully, we can help you get over the hump, get that it factor rolling your way. Remember, play nice, love your neighbor, have fun, 
for today. I say bye.